college, I was a resident advisor, an RA for a floor of about 45 guys, which means I saw a lot of weird stuff, (laughs) which we're not going to talk about this morning. One of my favorite residents was this guy named Pat, Patrick Hickey. Pat had big, curly hair. Pat had a huge smile and a wild sense of humor. You could probably guess that the two of us hit it off immediately. Like day one, we became friends. A number of my favorite and fondest memories of college involve Pat. Two years after Pat and I became friends, I was back home in California about to start seminary when I got the call that we all hate. Bad news. Tragic news. Pat had been killed riding his bicycle to work. He was 21. I'll never forget getting that phone call because I didn't believe it. (laughs) We live in a world with a lot of bad news, don't we? You ever get tired of the bad news? Many of us, if not all of us, have gotten that bad news phone call that we hate because it means we have lost someone we love. Or we get bad news at the doctor's office when that medical report comes back and it's not at all what we wanted to hear. Or maybe we get bad news at work when our boss sits us down and says it's time to make a change, we're going to let you go. Or maybe the bad news comes at home. When your high school kid says we're going to go to the East Coast for college. <laughs> or maybe even worse, your spouse says, I'm, I'm done. And of course, there is the daily and constant bombardment of negativity that we all call the news, which we should really just start calling it bad news, Right? Hey, what are you going to do tonight? I'm going to go home, watch some bad news. (laughs) We're living in a world flooded with bad news. War, poverty, disease, oppression, climate change, racism. And soon as you start hearing it every single day, you start to believe that maybe all there is in life is bad news. The Israelites understood bad news all too well. Our text this morning comes from a time when Israel was living in a constant state of bad news. In 587 BC, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar entered Jerusalem, destroyed the city, and destroyed the temple, God's house bad news. And when Babylon conquered Israel, they incorporated all of Israel's land into theirs. Bad news. 
And when Babylon conquered Israel, Nebuchadnezzar took the best and the brightest people from Jerusalem and carried them off into exile. Bad news. Nebuchadnezzar took the best and brightest, which was thousands of people, by the way, royalty, teachers, artists, workers, priests, soldiers, merchants, wealthy families. You take the leadership and the influential people out of Jerusalem because it becomes easier for a foreign power to control them. You cut the head off of the snake. The book of Daniel describes Daniel's experience being carried off and taken into Babylonian exile. Highly recommend you read that book. The destruction of the temple and the subsequent exile that followed after that was a cataclysmic event in the life of God's people. Consider the impact of 9-11 in our country and multiply that by a hundred. The temple was the center of Israel's world. It's where God lived, gone, destroyed. Imagine our country losing a bloody war to a foreign invader, and then most of our sacred national monuments being destroyed, including our churches and holy places. And then think about all of our Skilled people in our country, family, friends, basically anyone who has a skill set, work experience, or an education gets carried off to another country. Backbreaking news. This was Israel's reality in Isaiah chapter 52. Living in a time of bad news believing that they had been abandoned by God, the temple was destroyed. A broken people. And remember, the Babylonian exile lasted for over 50 years at least. Some people say 70. And with an average life expectancy of about 35 years in the ancient world, most of the people carried away from Israel died in Babylon. Temple's gone. The great and beautiful holy city Jerusalem was in rubble. Over 50 years in captivity, no freedom, living as second class citizens in Babylon. And it is into that context of darkness and despair that God brings good news. In 539 BC, God raises up the Persian king Cyrus, and Cyrus defeats Babylon. And after that war, the Jews get to go home. Exile is done. And so the prophet announces in our text this morning, Awake, awake, put on your strength, Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. Shake yourself from the dust. Rise up. O captive Jerusalem, exile is over. It's time for God's people to return and rebuild. Rebuild the temple. Rebuild the city walls. Rebuild their homes. Rebuild the holy city, Jerusalem. 
Speaking through the prophet, God says in verse 11, depart, depart, go from there. In other words, it's time to go home. It's good news. But many of the Israelites would never go home. Many of them stayed in Babylon. Most of them have never even been to Jerusalem. For them, it was the forgotten and foreign city of their ancestors. By this time, most of the Jews living in exile were born in exile. It's all they had ever known. They were used to Babylon. The Israelites were so immersed in the Babylonian culture that the old ways of Jerusalem and the holy city would have been unrecognizable to them. They had forgotten who they were. God was speaking good news and most of the exiled population didn't even recognize it. Maybe it didn't sound like good news to them. Go on a long journey, rebuild a broken city, no thanks. Many people preferred the known comforts of the empire instead of the unknown journey that God was calling them to. Not like Americans have any problem with that, by the way. God was bringing good news, but not everyone could see it. They were so used to living in a world filled with bad news. That became the normal. Today we live in a time when you can hear bad news 24-7 from every corner of the world. That is the influence and the reach of the internet. Perhaps that's also the curse of the internet. There's so much bad news today that anxiety and depression continues to grow and skyrocket, especially among young people. It's easy to believe that all there is is bad news. But that's not the truth. The truth is God brings good news. God is always bringing good news, but can we see it? One of the reasons why daily prayer is so important in the life of a Christian is because it's, it's not just about bringing our personal request to God every single day, but it's about immersing yourself in the presence of God, being filled with hope, being reminded of the gospel and the good news and the mission that God has for you that day to be a person of good news. One of the reasons... We continue to come to church every week is to be reminded of good news. We gather here and we declare in a world that's filled with bad news, we stay and say our God reigns. We remind ourselves of the gospel and because of the love of God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is good news to be shared and it changes everything. Martin Luther said that he preached the gospel every single Sunday in his church because his church tended to forget 
the gospel every single Sunday. And what is the gospel? What is the good news? Look at verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Salvation. There's two layers of salvation in this passage. The first layer speaks to Israel's historical situation and context. God is saving them from exile and captivity. But the second layer of salvation goes beyond just the historical situation and points to the future of God's coming kingdom. It's the promise of eternal salvation, and it goes beyond just Israel's historical context. Revelation 21 picks up this language from Isaiah, saying that there shall be a new heaven and a new earth, and Jerusalem, a new Jerusalem, shall come from heaven, and God will dwell with mortals. He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more crying and no more pain. Death will be no more. Salvation is about the present and the future. God isn't just concerned solely about the afterlife. God is working here and now. Friends, that is good news. That it's not just about what's coming in the future, but you can believe in the good news today in your life. A God who saves God is healing and redeeming and restoring right now. There is good news for each and every one of us. We just have to be willing to look and see it. Sight is mentioned twice in this text. Verse 8, in plain sight they shall return, they shall see the return of the Lord to Zion. In verse 10, the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Eventually, everyone is going to see the salvation of God. But hope, hope is the ability to see it now. What the world can't quite see yet. Hope is the ability to see those small glimpses of God's new creation breaking into today. Can we see it? As you read this text, you can hear God giving us an invitation, a call, a mandate, a mission. Listen to these excerpts. Lift up your voices, sing for joy, break forth together in singing, go out, purify yourselves, you who carry the vessels of the Lord, for the Lord will go before you, the Lord will be your rear guard. There is a call for us to celebrate and worship the good news, and there's a call for us to follow God into the world. Because as we worship and as we celebrate that good news, we're going to be transformed from the inside out and realize just how much this world needs to hear the good news. That even though there's plenty of bad news in our world, 
and we all have it up to here. Am I right? But the good news is, there's a day coming when there will be no more bad news. And we long and work for that day. And we have hope. And there's meaning and beauty and life and love. And yes, we have work to do. But because it's we believe in the truth of that good news, that's why we do that work of love and fiercely showing this world that there's still good news to be had. The Apostle Paul quotes this verse from Isaiah in Romans 10. Talking about the salvation of Jesus, Paul says, how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Feet are actually pretty gross. Especially in the ancient world, we've talked about this, but especially the feet of a messenger. To quote from Isaiah, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, a messenger who has crossed mountains. What do you think their feet's going to look like in the ancient world? Torn up, calloused, beaten, blistered, bloody, not beautiful. But they tell a beautiful story of the messenger who's willing to persevere, to bring that message of good news because the messenger knows this good news needs to be heard. So how beautiful are those beaten up, gross feet that bring that message of salvation. Our world is desperate for good news. The people in your life, the people in your sphere of influence are desperate for good news. Just open your eyes. Are we willing to get our feet a little bloody and bring them that good news? Last few days, a number of you probably saw this video that went viral about a football coach named Keenan Lowe at a high school in Portland. Well, Keenan was sitting in a classroom when an ex-student, 19-year-old guy, walked in with a trench coat and a rifle. There's going to be a school shooting. And this football coach sees what's going to happen. Looks down, sees that gun's real. Looks up, he sees this 19-year-old kid's eyes. He knows what's going to happen. So this coach springs into action. And he grabs this former student and he takes the gun from him. Gets it to a teacher. And you can see this video. Go home and watch it today. You can see this coach hold this gunman and embrace him and just hug him 
and love him. And you can see him speaking tenderly to this gunman. And you can see this gunman reacting and responding to this because he was not expecting this. This act of love and compassion. What a beautiful image of a world bent on bad news. Meeting someone filled with hope and good news. And you know what Keenan said to the shooter? He said, your life is worth living. Don't throw it away. And you can see the shooter try and do this. And Keenan just keeps bringing him in for that hug. Held him there until the police showed up. Nobody died. What a powerful message. That's the call of the church. For us to embody love and hope in such a way that our world steps back and says, wow, that's powerful. And they could use it, friends. Let's pray. God, how grateful we are that there is always good news. When we feel down, when we feel broken, when we feel lost, we can turn to you and be reminded of the eternal good news of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that that hope would fill our hearts and fill our lives in such a powerful way. God, I pray that you would send us into our workplaces, into our families, into our friendship groups, wherever you send us, our schools, our stores, whatever it is, Lord, that you would send us as messengers of good news. Give us the strength and the determination and the love and the hope to be all that you have made us to be. We worship you, Lord, and we love you. And as we prepare our tithes and offerings, God, we give you this as a gift and an act of worship. Take them and glorify and grow your kingdom. Amen.